Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Hi guys, we are live. Welcome to the Thriving On Purpose podcast. I'm doing it solo this week. Elizabeth, as you will notice, is uh, is not with me. Uh, she's busy. She, we're building a team, so uh, she has a lot of things to take care of on her end. And uh, if ever you're interested in uh, reaching out to us to know if you would be a good fit for what we are offering work-wise and, and uh, career-wise, you can always reach out to us at thrivingonpurpose.com. You can just uh, click or, or even here on Facebook, just message us and we'll answer you. So you can reach out to us that way. So I wanted to talk to you guys about, and when I mean guys, I really mean the men. I'm talking this week, it's all about the men, okay? So if you're a lady, you can still listen. Uh, you, you might wanna share this video with your husband, with your brother, with your father. They will surely appreciate the insights that I'm about to share because I think these insights are uh, very relevant to what we're going through right now. So the title is Men, Six Ways to Lead Your Family During Crisis. Leadership, that's the subtitle, Leadership Begins at Home. We've been hearing a lot about leading during crisis, during this uh, difficult time. And I know you guys are probably tired of hearing that during this difficult time, but it's still true. It's very true, actually. So it is a difficult time. And yes, leading is very important at this point in time. And we've been hearing a lot uh, of leaders, of influencers going online and teaching others how to lead during crisis. But most of these teachings, I've noticed, are about leading during crisis in a corporate setting, in a business setting, but not much has been said about leading our families. So uh, I think that many, many uh, big and small decisions need to be made at this time. For If you own a business, if you're head of a corporation, uh, obviously it's gonna be a, sh a time of pivoting and shifting, and we've heard that a lot as well. But uh, we cannot lose sight of the most important, of this very, very important fact that true leadership, the most important type of leadership begins at home. Uh, the foundation of our society and our way of life has always been and still is the family unit, right? And the family unit has been under attack for decades now, and we know that. It's been under attack spiritually, it's been under attack in the media, even in, in the print, that we know that is a fact. So through television, movies, the education system, uh, video games, the media, books, and ideology, the minds of our kids have been under attack for a long time right now. We are living right now in a pivotal time in history, and a line is being drawn in the sand for the future of our children. I, I, I'm sure you as a believer have noticed this, right? 
So this podcast is for men of God. Men of God, it's time to step up. It's a crucial time to take a stand as leaders in our homes. So today, I give you six ways to lead your family in times of crisis. If you guys don't know, well, I'm an author and I wrote a couple of books, one of which is a leadership book that I wrote for the secular market at the time. That was back in 2017. And the book is Lead Like a Superhero, What Pop Culture Icons Can Teach Us About Impactful Leadership. And although it's a book for the secular market, there are strong Christian undertones because I cannot deny who I am. So as I wrote the book, my values come forth and who I am comes forth. And there are strong Christian undertones throughout the book. Uh, I just wanted to read to you something I wrote. That was back in 2017. So here's what I wrote in Lead Like a Superhero in the introduction, okay? So I wrote, As I took on more responsibilities in life, I became a student of leadership. My responsibilities increased the further into manhood I moved. I came to understand and embrace the importance of becoming a better leader, to lead my family as a husband and father, and to lead in my workplace and in my community. As I matured, I consciously made choices to know more about leadership, to read about it, to study it, and to apply it in all the spheres of my life. I strongly believe leadership begins in our own inner circle. So I didn't write this book only with corporate leaders in mind. I believe leadership flows from the heart, is strengthened in the mind, and begins at home. So back then in 2017, I had written that leadership begins at home. And I really believe that. And today, I want to talk mostly to men. As I mentioned earlier, this is going to be good for the guys, for the men who are trying to lead their families in this difficult time. So guys, times are tough right now. You know it and I know it. And I've seen so many things shifting that I'm losing count. But one of the things that I'm seeing is how needed our godly and manly leadership is at this time of seemingly continual crisis. Uh, the Bible tells us in the book of the, pro uh, the prophet Amos, it tells us this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. That's from Amos, the book of Amos in the Bible. Chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. This, dear friends, this is what I'm saying. Right now, we are at a crucial times when our families... Our children especially need to hear the word of the Lord because there is a famine in the land from sea to sea, which when I read the, the passage reminded me of, uh, of, uh, of our anthem, O Canada, here in Canada, uh, from far and wide. And there's also, uh, when we talk about Canada, there's another, I think another song where it's in the anthem, I don't remember, but it says from sea to sea. Because we're a large country, and guess what? The U.S. are also from the Atlantic to the Pacific. So we are huge countries. We're from sea to sea, and we are struggling right now amidst the crisis. So let's start now with six ways you can lead at home with your wives and with your kids. Number one, the first way 
is study to show yourself approved. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, the Apostle Paul tells us, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So guys, it's time. It is more than time, if you haven't done so already, to get your nose back in the good book with intentionality. There is so much deception going on right now that many are struggling to make sense of it. But if we are going to rightly divide the word of truth, which is found in the good book, we have to stop relying on TV, right? We need to study our Bibles. I mean, you're not going to find the truth on TV. You're going to find the truth in the Word of God. And as you impregnate, impregnate your mind and your heart with it, you're going to be able to rightly divide truth from lies. When they're told to you on TV, when they're told to you on social media, you will be able to discern like a two-edged sword. This is truth. This is not truth. And you will be able, better equipped, to lead your family who needs you at this time to be very, very discerning. Uh, there's a saying that you probably you might have heard that it says, those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. So as well. And when I say study to show yourself approved, the first place to go is the Bible. But it's also a good for you to go and study history. Study the history of how your country was founded. Study the history of Canada if you're Canadian. The study of America, the United States, if you're from the U.S. And even if you're not, the United States are setting the tone for so much of the, uh, the Western world right now that it is good for most people who are influenced by the power of the United States to study the history of the United States, to know where this country is coming from, who founded it, what they believed, what they believed when they founded it, what was their intent, and what was the purpose of this land of the, the free and home of the brave. Do your homework. We live, here's what I wrote, I wrote, we live in a generation that fails to study history. As a result, not only are we doomed to repeat it, but we, are, we also reject as fools those who made it. In the media recently, we have seen a lot. There's a lot going on. It's, it's, it's insane. But one of the things we've seen is that historical landmarks or statues of men who founded the United States, who founded Canada, are being under attack. And I understand the ideology of why they're under attack. But, you know, even David wasn't perfect. Even David uh, committed uh, adultery with Bathsheba. So what this means to say is e even the greatest leaders and the greatest founders of our countries are not perfect, but they still had a tremendous impact of good in the lands that we live in. And if we're going to uh, dismantle those monuments and dismantle those memories, well, we're only harming ourselves and our children. Uh, there's a meme also that uh, when we're talking about studying to show yourself approved, there's a meme I saw on Facebook that made me smile, but I really like it. It says, I read old books because I would rather learn from those who built civilization than those who tore it down. There's a tremendous amount of knowledge that we can learn from old books. There's a book here that I have that's called America's God and Country. It's a very thick book. And it's a compilation of quotes from all the greatest men in the United States history who influenced 
this wonderful country that was for, for many years a wonderful country, now it's on its downfall and it's, it's, it's just sad to watch. But um, this book is, is amazing. And when you read the values of, that these men espoused, it makes you understand what the country was founded upon and what the values were. And was it perfect? No, but it was still the most, I think, successful model of a country in the history of the civilized world. So we cannot, uh, we cannot uh, diss America for the good they have done. Of course, they have done some bad and we are <laughs> very well aware of that. But uh, most of the bad they've done is in the last hundred years. And I mean, the, the biggest crux of it. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not a history buff uh, by any uh, means. And that's not what I'm trying to get to in this podcast. But I'm just making a point. So let's study the Bible. Let's study history. Uh, and let's uh, study to show ourselves approved as men of God. Number two. So number two, the second thing you can do to lead your family in times of crisis, strengthen and equip your wives. Our ladies, our wives, they're depending upon us right now at this time. They are scared. A lot of them are scared. And a lot of men are not stepping up to the plate. It's so sad to see that in in, in a lot of cases, I have seen women who are relying on God more, more than their husbands. It's a shame. Shame on us men for letting the ladies take the lead. I'm not saying ladies shouldn't lead. I'm saying the men should be at the forefront, strengthening and equipping their wives with what their wives need to face up to what's going on and make, enable them to concentrate on protecting the minds and the well-being of their children. So the problem is women are, are stepping up and men are, are too busy watching uh, football in their man cave. So I mentioned earlier the, impo- the importance of studying to show yourselves approved, right? Well, there, there's an, another meme I saw on Facebook a while back. It said, ditch the man cave and bring back the study. And the study back in the day was where, where uh, men who were men retreated. That was their man cave. They retreated there for what? To pray, to read the Bible, to educate their minds, to strengthen their minds. But today, men are too busy watching TV, eating Doritos, and drinking their beer. So we are leaving the ladies to fend off, to protect, to step up, and do what needs to be done. And I think that's a shame, and we should just be ashamed of ourselves. So our job as men is to strengthen and encourage our wives... So we need to love them. The first way we do this, by the way, is to love them unconditionally. Here's what I wrote. The best thing any father can do for his kids is to love their mother or to love his wife. The best thing you can do for your children is to love your wife. And kids, in order to feel safe, they need security. And nothing spells security for children more than seeing their dad Loving their mom every day. Nothing spells security better than this for children. So be the spiritual and moral leader of your household. This is what your wife needs from you right now. This is what your children need from you right now. Another thing I wrote there, it's a good quote. You can tweet it. You can put it on Facebook. If she's going to stand behind you, she needs to know that you stand strong. If she's going to stand 
behind you. She needs to know that you stand strong. And I'm going to close this uh, number two thing you can do to strengthen, to, to lead your family in, time of, in times of crisis with a verse, a passage from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself forth, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So if you study to show yourself approved, you're going to be strengthened in the word. And in turn, you're going to be able to strengthen your wife, okay, your helpmeet and make her, uh, bless her, and wash her, and uh, look after her. If you love your, your, your own flesh, you're going to look after your wife. Number three. So, guys, number three, what you can do to lead your family in times of crisis is this very simple thing. Teach your children. Teach your children. Guys, it's time for us to stop leaving the rearing of children to our wives. Of course, uh, women have a definite role. Moms are amazing. They have a definite role that they're playing with the kids. But men, we too often leave it all to mom to handle their rearing up. And we only start taking an interest in them when they're too old. They need you right now, especially when they're small. They're young minds. They need to see how dad thinks. They need to hear what dad has to say, not just what mom has to say. Father's Day is just, uh, just around the corner, and uh, we know it's kind of a running gag, right, in our society. Uh, Mother's Day is a huge deal, and Father's Day is like where we buy ugly ties to our dads, right? And yet, why is that? Well, I believe that that is because fathers are not as implicated as they should be in the rearing up of their, child, their children. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, that's one thing, but I, I really like the rest of the verse. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The discipline and instruction of the Lord. Your children need, they need their dad. They need their dads to, to, to teach them, to tell them. How, to, how, how do you follow God, dad? How do you pray? Uh, how, do I, how am I upright in this crazy upside-down world? What, what am I supposed to be as a person, as a citizen, as a, uh, as a student, as a fellow worker? What, what am I supposed to act like, to be like? They're going to learn a lot of those principles from their fathers, not from their mothers. Okay? So don't cop out. And it's funny because right now, we're, uh, we're, us parents, we're in a situation where we're forced to homeschool. A lot of states, a lot of provinces have closed down the schools here on Prince Edward Island where I live. They closed, the, the, the school system is closed, so we have to homeschool our kids. And the schools, they give us a curriculum that we need to follow to keep our kids, uh, to keep their heads out of water, to make sure that when they go back to school, if they go back to school in September, they won't be lost. And that's a great thing. The only little thing is uh, we're... So we're mostly uh, concentrating on uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic, so math, languages. That's what they, they really focus on. But we're supposed to teach our children the way of God, the way of how to follow Christ on a daily basis. Of course, this is done by through our example, but do you, let me ask you a question, do you have regular family devotions in your living room? Here at our house, we do that. We have regular family devotions. I call up the kids. Okay, so either on Saturday morning or Sunday morning, I say, kids, family devotion time. 
and I teach my children the ways of God. And it's often, oftentimes it's a wonderful time we have. Uh, and I know you guys might be rolling your eyes right now and going like, my children wouldn't listen to me or they wouldn't care what I have to say. That's not true. Maybe the first couple times, maybe the, if you've never done it, maybe the first couple times they'll laugh or mock a bit and, you know, tease. But uh, you'll see that eventually if you make it a habit, they're going to love it. When you call them up and say, guys, time for family devotion. If you're passionate about God, guess what? Your passion is going to, they're going to feel that passion. And it's proven that households where daddy is passionate about God, uh, there were numbers, statistics I read uh, years ago. I think it said something, it was incredible. It said that the households where the dad loves God, where he's a devout man of God, 70% of the children get saved. As opposed to the households where only mom loves God and, and, and is devout, only 23% of the children get saved. Now, this should make you think of the importance of your leadership in the home, of the importance of you teaching them the word. But let's get back to the, the homeschooling curriculum that we have to deal with. Uh, so... I find it's very incomplete. So my kid is able to, for example, I don't know, he's in fifth grade. My son is in fifth grade. I take care of most of his education and Elizabeth takes care of the younger girls that we have in our household. So he's he's going to be able to uh, solve math problems or, 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 you know, there's stuff they make them do in math that is really not everyday use stuff, right? There's, there's stuff that you know that they're never going to use that. But he's in fifth grade, so it's not too bad yet. And yet, if I sit down with my son, open up an atlas and say, show me, or a, a globe, show, show me Spain. He's going to look, look at me and go like, what? What's Spain? The point I'm trying to make is there are skills and knowledge that are so important that our children learn that they're not necessarily learning in school. And the school curriculums are very particular these days where they teach our children all kinds of stuff. Some of it is useful. Some of it isn't. So this is your time to shine, dads. This is your time to step up to the plate, get to know what your kids are learning in school, and make sure that you can maybe fill that gap. For example, here's what I wrote. Teach them geography and history. Chances are they don't know that much geography and history. Yeah, I know they learned it in school. There's a curriculum for that, but it's not fantastic. Teach them biology, ecology, zoology. Teach them everything you know about nature and, sci uh, and science. A lot of us guys are outdoorsy types. We like to go out and, and, and walk in the woods. Go, go out on a Sunday afternoon stroll in the woods with your children and teach them about God's creation. Chances are they don't know that much. They're not taught that much about it in the school system. Uh, teach them entrepreneurship. Now, this is super important. We know that school curriculums don't spend any time on that. They teach them to stay in the school curriculum, which is what? It's all government-based, and they want your children, basically, to be indoctrinated, to believe that the only way to make a living is to go to university, spend thousands of dollars, right, and then have the diploma, and then you'll be someone who's respectable in society. That's what they're taught. They're taught that that's the only way that they're going to make a decent living. But entrepreneurship, especially now with everything that's shifting, it's amazing how important it's going to become. 
Because the entrepreneurs were the backbone of our society and they still will be. Make no mistake about it. It's going to change. It's going to shift. What's it going to become exactly? I'm not a, a prophet. I have a, a faint idea. But I know that th those who have innovative ideas who can add value and bring value to the marketplace, they're still going to be the ones thriving when all is said and done. So make sure you teach to your children that there is another way. That it's not just school, 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 get a big diploma, spend thousands of dollars. They might like, if that's their passion, I mean, if you want to become a doctor or a lawyer, yeah, you have to be in school. You can't say, I'm going to become an entrepreneur doctor. That doesn't work. There are some disciplines that need those diplomas. And I'm not saying it's wrong to, be, to want to, be, to stay in school, depending on what your child wants. But make sure they know all the options available to them, okay? So entrepreneurship, teach them what to look for in a mate and the sanctity of marriage. I've seen so many young people today, they don't know how to choose a mate. They, a lot of young ladies choose a guy who abuses them, who uses drugs, who's an alcoholic. Uh, they have no clue what to look for in a man. And same with the, the, the boys, they, they, they're very clueless about the values, the heart, what to look for in a, in a woman, in a woman who's going to make a good wife for them. Teach your sons and daughters what to look for in a mate. That's part of teaching them. Uh, teach them to pray. Teach your children ethics. Ethics. I remember John Maxwell was uh, once approached to write a book on business ethics. And the publisher said, John, we'd love you to write a book on business ethics. He says, I'm not going to write that. And the publisher went like, what? Why not? Because there is no such thing as business ethics. There is ethics or no ethics. Either you're ethical or you're not. And ethics spread over the whole spectrum of life. There's no such thing as just business ethics. You just teach them ethics. Also teach your kids basic skills. Uh, us dads, we can teach our kids, and I'm, I'm going to point out something here. We can teach our kids to mow the lawn, change the oil in a car, change a flat tire, these are things they're probably not going to learn in school. And guess what? I grew up in the city. I was raised mostly by a single mom. When I bought my first house, I had no clue how to operate a lawnmower, how to cut the hedges on my, my, uh, my land. I looked like a dork. My wife was laughing at me. We had just gotten married. I was trying to trim the hedges and I was... Moving the thing, I looked like a, a real dork. Why? I didn't have a dad teaching me this, this stuff. It's stuff we take for granted. But if you do have a house and you have a land, teach your, 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 your sons or daughters basic uh, house maintenance. It's going to serve them so much. And if you're, if you're a mom, well, uh, you can teach your, uh, your daughter or your son house maintenance, home finances, uh, not, no, that was for the dads, sorry. So for the dads, yeah, uh, house maintenance, home finances, how to balance a budget. What do you have to pay when you have a house? A lot of that stuff they learn only late when they're in high school. They can learn it younger. Firearms safety. If you're a father who has a firearm who goes hunting, teach them firearm safety. In Canada, we have a course we need to take to get a firearm. But hey, they're going to they're gonna have an advance when they get to that course, they're going to already know what to do. So it won't be like foreign to them. Uh, hunting and fishing. Stuff we take for granted. This, is gonna, this could become very useful in the near future. Uh, 
And so I was talking about moms. What can they teach? Well, moms can teach a lot of things too. Cleaning floors, doing laundry, cooking, gardening, making preserves. This is all stuff that a boy or a girl, when they grow up, will appreciate knowing how to do. Uh, we take we take these skills for granted, but they're going to prove more and more useful as we uh, as we keep escalating. Hopefully not. Hopefully we're going to get back to what was once normal, but I I doubt it. The, the point I'm making is this: teach your children. So I'm still on point number three, three, teach your children, but this is so important. So if your child attends public school, it's time to take advantage of this opportunity to teach your children everything you wish that schools had taught them or would teach them. So let's not make any more excuses. Teach your children. Number four, fathers, serve, serve, one word. That's point number four, serve. The best way your kids will learn the value of servant leadership is if they see their dad, who is the king of the house, quote-unquote, king of the house, serving every day. My kids often say that. That's the king of the house. But oftentimes they say it like, he can decide whatever he wants. But I often make a point of saying, yeah, I'm the king of the house, but my duty is to serve this household and make sure you guys are okay and make sure your mom has everything she needs to function. So whether we like to admit it or not, our kids learn more by observing us than anything we say. We are modeling in front of them every day. And they will do what you do a lot more than what you say. And that's that's just the way it is, right? But make sure you do both. Make sure you model Make sure your actions speak just as loud as your words. But do both. You may your words be good too, and your actions. Most dads think that they they serve mostly by providing for their family's needs, and that's a great thing. I mean, I grew up, my dad was not a provider at all. He was an irresponsible man. He skirted that responsibility, and we struggled. As a result, it was terrible. I grew up in poverty. So... I lift my, I tip my hat to the men who see the importance of this and who do it dutifully every day. But providing for our families, going to work, working hard should just be the start. And yet it's so important. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 5.8, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is a, those are poignant words, but they're true. That's the, that's the starting place, right? Now, providing for their needs is, like I said, it's a given. That's the starting point. But there's more to serving your children than just saying, I'm, going, I'm working hard, I'm working 40 to 60 hours a week. There's more to it than just that. There's more to it than being a servant leader than just that. You also serve your family whenever you pick up a slack, and in any household, in any family, there's, a t- there's tons of slack. I mean, we have three kids here. There's a lot of slacks every day, trust me. A lot of slacks. Uh, so what does this mean, picking up the slack? Well, dads, do you ever do the dishes? I mean, you know, some of you guys are more old school might say, well, my wife does the dishes. That's fine, but what about when she's not there? And you're done your things. If the dishes piled up, why not just go ahead and do it, right? Uh, same with grocery shopping. You know, if you're, you see, if again, if you say, "Why well, my wife does that?" I just 
give her the budget and she goes and does it. Okay, that's cute. Um, how about you go and give her a break while she does something else that she wants to do? And if you have small children folding uh, clothes, I mean, in our house, they, they, they accumulate. It's a mountain. Every week we have a mountain of clothes to fold. And uh, actually, I, I have a thing. I've developed a high, I've developed a taste for folding clothes. Imagine that. I, I put on Netflix because our, our table our, our in the living room is in front of the TV. So I put on Netflix, a documentary, something I want to watch. So I feed my brain. Right? I watch something I want to see while I'm folding clothes. It's fun. So I join, I, I actually tell my wife I like folding clothes. It relaxes me. But she, she loves it because it's so useful. Uh, changing diapers when we have babies, right? It's not only the mom to do that. The, the guy should pick up the slack. It, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to need to change those diapers or giving the kids a bath or taking them out to, to the park or something. Uh, dads, we, we, have to, we have to help out with the young children. So if you feel as a man, if you feel that you're above picking up the slack in these areas, well, what you're saying is that you are above serving. Because these things are stuff that needs, it needs to be done. And a good leader looks at what needs to be done and if there's nobody around, he's going to do it. Uh, John Maxwell was once, uh, once told a story, I think it was of uh, Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A. He says he, he enjoyed his company. He went, uh, he went with him uh, for outings quite a few times in his, uh, in his lifetime. And he was good friends with Truett Cathy. And he says one thing that, sh that, that really sh uh, shook him or surprised him was one day he was with him and he... he he was uh, walking in a parking lot. I think that's what it was in a parking lot. And he saw Truth Cathy pick up a paper in the parking lot and just put it in the trash. Simple things. If you're above those little things, you're above, you're, say, you're, sickly, you're saying in essence that you're above serving. Always keep in mind what Jesus Christ taught us when he washed the feet of his disciples, right? He's the King of glory, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. And he stooped down and washed the feet of each and every one of his disciples. So always keep that in mind. Yeah, you may be king of the house because God said so. But you're, you're not above doing the little things that are going to make your house a good place to live, a good place for everybody and showing the example of the little things that need to get done. So Jesus said this in Luke twenty two twenty six, Let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. So we're at number five. So it, we're getting more a little bit into more of the, the manly stuff, I guess you could say. But number five, this is so important, especially in these times we're seeing the, the, the everything's on edge right now. Anything could happen, especially in the United States. Here in Canada, it's not as bad, but still, we're, we're, uh, anything could happen. Number five, prepare and protect. Prepare and protect. Oliver Cromwell. Oliver Cromwell was an English general during the English Civil War back in the 1600s. And here's what he said. That's a very uh, popular quote among preppers. He said, Keep your faith in God, but keep your powder dry. Now think about the balance of these two 
integrated statements. Keep your faith in God, and here at Thriving on Purpose, we pride ourselves in teaching faith in God on a weekly basis. We, 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 we want our listeners, we want people who are following us to learn about how faith in God operates, how the kingdom of God operates, how important it is to act in a way that shows your faith, to, to put your faith to the test on a daily basis and to, uh, to go out on a limb for the kingdom of God. We teach that. Uh, so that's the one part, okay? And I also teach our listeners to always be optimistic. And I know this podcast might be a little bit different. You might be a little shaken going like, wow, it seems so doom and gloom. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but I want to be uh, showing balance. It's good to have faith in God, to be optimistic. I mean, it's not just good, it's essential to be optimistic, to look at the silver lining, to always thank God for everything. But he also gave you a mind. He also gave you a head on your shoulders that he expects you to use. And that's where it comes in, number five, to prepare and protect. So this, my friends, uh, the quote, keep your faith in God, but keep your powder dry, is unfortunately something that we need to look into. It's great advice for today as well. Uh, in a recent podcast, we talked about preparedness. We talked about uh, uh, this in episode 79. The episode is the coronavirus, how Christians should deal with pandemic panic. That was uh, maybe a month or a month and a half ago uh, when the panic was at its height. So we made an episode talking about this panic how to address it from a faith perspective, from a kingdom of God perspective, but also from a preparedness perspective. What did this mean for Christians? Should Christians prepare? I mean, if we prepare, are we saying, I don't have faith in God because I'm preparing? Does the person who has faith in God just sit and wait and go like, the Lord will save me, the Lord will save me? Remember that story, right? The guy who's stuck in a flood and he's just hanging on to a wooden raft, just a plank, and, uh, and then uh, people in a canoe show up. They're like, come, come, we're, come, come get in our boat. We're going to save you. So, nope, no, I'm a Christian. The Lord will save me. Okay, then they leave. Then a helicopter shows up, drops down the ladder. Get, grab that ladder, come upstairs in the helicopter. No, no, that's okay. I'm a Christian. The Lord will save me. Well, guess what? He died. He drowned. Gets up in heaven. And he sees, first thing he says to the Lord, when he says, Lord, why didn't you save me? I had faith in you. He says, well, I did. I sent you a canoe and I sent you a helicopter. Well, that's what, see, we laugh at that story, right? I mean, you've probably heard it, but it's, it's, that's the way a lot of believers are. They're like, well, I believe in God. He's going to save me. Well, maybe God wants you to also look at things objectively right now and be like, you know what? It's getting pretty crazy. I have a family to take care of. I want to make sure we're going to be all right. And maybe I should start prepping a little bit. You know, you don't want to become a doomsday prepper and build a bunker in your backyard unless God really shows you that that's what you should be doing because it's very costly. But what I'm saying is have three months prepping. See, the government sends us uh, these, these um, mail-in stuff about uh, preparedness, but it, they say three days, 72 hours preparedness. That's your bug out bag. I'm not going to get into that, but that's really your bug out bag. What I want you to do is go back to episode 79 and listen to it where we give some really, really good tips on how to prepare. How do you prepare for three months? How do you, what do you buy? What do you, what do you look for? Well, there's stuff you need to look for. 
So I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode, okay? Uh, so always remember, as a, as a father and a husband, you have people who are looking up to you for protection and for preparation. So let's look for a little bit uh, at the etymology of the word protection and the word providing or provision or, pro or provide, okay? First word is protection. So the word protection is from the Latin protectionem, protectionem, from the the base word protectio, and it means a covering over, a covering over. It's a noun of action from the past participles, and it stems from protegere, protegere. And this is very interesting because it says the protect means to cover in front. So from the first word, the, the first part of the word, which is pro, and the word protect, pro, which means before, and tegere, pro tegere, which means to cover. So protecting means to cover before. Isn't that a beautiful image? To cover before. Before what? Well, before whatever hurts you comes down. So as a father, as a husband, as a family man, you are called to protect, which means to, to cover before. So you're supposed to see ahead, see what harm is potentially coming, and prepare ahead to make sure that you're covering your loved ones before it hits. And the second word is provide. Provide. And again, it's from the Latin providere, which means to look ahead, to prepare, to supply, to act in foresight. And again, the, the, the suffix pro, which means ahead, and uh, videre, so pro videre, which means to see. So when you provide, when you are a provider, you are seeing ahead, ahead of time. So you see what's going on every day in the news, right? You see what's going on out there. Of course, they paint a, a picture that's more they're trying to show us some, what they pick and choose, let's just put it that way. But it's quite obvious when you watch the news, when, when you, you keep abreast of the information of what's actually happening out there, that chances are things will never get back to the way they were, right? So you need, you need to protect, provide, see ahead, cover ahead of what is about to happen. So let me ask you a question, men of God. Are you protecting your family? Which means, are you covering them before? Are you covering them before? Men of God, are you providing for your family? Which means looking ahead to supply for their needs. Looking ahead at what's coming. Seeing ahead. Seeing far off. They say leaders look ahead. They say leaders see uh, farther than everybody else. Well, as the leader of your family, you're supposed to be on the lookout of what is happening to make sure you're protecting them. So if you don't have at least three months supply in your home, I encourage you to start now. There's nothing wrong with buying more canned goods, more uh, batteries to operate radios or whatnot, more, more stuff that you use every day that you know would be useful if, God forbid, there would be no electricity or there'd be riots in your city or, or whatever. If stuff, if bad stuff were to happen close to your home, how prepared are you to face the music? How prepared are you? So if you don't have something to defend your family with, get some. 
I know it sounds trite, but get some. Don't just say God will protect me. That's one thing. God can put a hedge of protection around your whole house. If you pray, he did so for Job. But one day, that hedge was lifted. Eh? And we know the story of Job, what happened afterwards. And I'm not saying don't trust in God. I'm not saying don't, don't pray for that supernatural protection that we all need. What I'm saying is also use your head. So be protected spiritually at all times, right? Pray yourselves up, pray your families up, offering them up to the Lord in protection, your children, your wife. But also use your head, look around, do an inventory and say, what's missing in my house, if ever, blah, blah, blah. What's missing? So if you don't have a garden, why not start planting one? If you, have a, if you have land, if you have a house, if you have a backyard, start planting a garden. If you don't have fishing or hunting gear, why not start looking into that? You know, fish is good. It's, like, it's nice to be able to eat some good fish. We, we saw what happened not too long ago with the supermarkets, right? I mean, it can just turn in 72 hours. 72 hours, the shelves can be empty. You guys know this. I mean, we've seen, we've lived it now. We've lived it now, so we know. So why not think ahead of, hey, how can I prepare better next time? How can I be pro-videoing? Uh, here's another thing. If you're not physically in shape right now, get fit. Get fit. Again, you're, you're, you're going to protect your family. You want to be there for them, right? No matter what. Well, what if there's a break-in? I know it sounds bad to say, right? I mean, oh, you shouldn't talk about such things. Well, what if there is a break-in in your house, God forbid, and someone wants to harm your family? Are you physically fit enough to fend off an intruder? I'm only five foot eight, 160 pounds, but I can take care of myself, okay? So uh, you gotta make sure that you're in shape that you're strong enough and fit enough to do at least what is necessary to protect, to stand in the gap between your loved ones and whatever could potentially harm them. This is stuff we, we don't really teach in church, and I know, and, and uh, Thriving on Purpose, we're not a church, so isn't that great news, right? I mean, we, we can teach this in all openness and talk about it because it won't be criticized or, 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 or seen as bad. Now we reach number six. Point number six, put on the whole armor of God. Now, as bad as the physical threats are to our well-being and our way of life, we are reminded in the Bible that we're not wrestling solely against flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 to 18 says this, and this is the armor of God speech that Paul gives us that most Christians are familiar with. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Now, this is interesting. The rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. So imagine Paul thought he, he was living in present darkness at the time. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the what? In the evil day. Now, are we living in a good day or in an evil day right now? 
Are we living in a good day or an evil day? Well, we are, unfortunately, living in evil days right now. And Paul is saying that. And having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore. Having, and then now he gives us the ingredients, right? Now he gives us the ingredients of what you need. So having done, done all that you need to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. And I love this. I, a lot of, I've heard a lot of sermons on this and the, the preachers are funny because they say there's only one weapon of offensive warfare in their whole getup that Paul is describing, and it's the sword of truth, the sword of the word of God. That is not true. If you've ever watched the movie Gladiator and you've seen him go in the arena, he's got a sword and he's got a shield. Did you see, did you witness, do you remember those scenes, that damage that he was able to cause with a shield? It's almost as bad as the sword, really. I mean, the sword goes for the killing blow, but the shield can surely soften them up. I mean, a good whack on sideways in the forehead or in the jaw, it was pretty bad. So that's the shield of faith for you. So your faith is, is amazing because your faith serves as a shield. It's a defensive weapon, but it is also an offensive weapon as well. And a lot of preachers don't teach that, but I, I love that, that insight that God gave me about the shield. The shield of faith uh, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. You guys, uh, much of our present uh, struggle right now is due to high spiritual forces at work at this particular time. The values on which the Western world were founded was founded are all but obliterated as we speak, and they are replaced with a lot of what is contrary to God's Word. So we're seeing the collapse of our Western way of life, some of which was so corrupt in the last decades that some are watching this and say, well, that's a good thing that it, this is falling. It's a good thing that that is falling. Maybe so. But the founding values of those countries, most of them were very good. And we are losing those, so we're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. And that's the crisis we're living in right now. And, it, and most, much of that is a spiritual crisis. So we are presently living in a socialist nation, and we are unfortunately on the brink of communism. And let's face it, let's face the facts. Communism, we know from history, is very, is very, very much the political ways of the devil. So we must always be prayed up and spiritually filled up to see these things and to, uh, to prep up, put on the, harm, the armor of God. What we're seeing outplayed in our streets right now and in our communities and in the media is the culmination of a massive, massive spiritual attack campaign that has been lasting decades now. So a lot of people are kind of surprised by this, but this is, this is the logical steps that are following through with what we have seen of late. Uh, and what I mean of late is when you look back decades ago, it was the, the, the proverbial frog in the pot. It started, my goodness. I mean, I, I've read books that talk about where it started and it's, it's a long, it's maybe a, a century ago 
very slowly, little things here and there, little tweaks, little ideologies, very, very subtle, nothing major. And now we're, we're seeing the collapse of our Western way of life in a very, very bad way. So my question to you, men of God, is this. What are you going to do about it? I'm not suggesting that you go out there and start playing Rambo. That's not at all what I'm suggesting. In fact, far from it. So let's be, let's be clear about that. You're not going to fight a spiritual war with physical means. Okay? Let's, let's make that clear. So right now, I believe that you're going to have a much bigger impact on your knees. I'm, I, I believe that. I really believe that from the bottom of my heart. There's a Smith Wigglesworth. Maybe most of you guys might not know him. Smith Wigglesworth. He was a man of God, a man who, uh, back in the early 1900s, he had a, a, a ministry, a healing ministry, very impactful, a, a man who shook Great Britain back, back then with many miraculous signs and, and healings wherever he went during his ministry. And it's very interesting because after Smith Wigglesworth died in 1947, doctors said that they found that some of the bone on each of Wigglesworth's kneecaps was missing. Now, this is very interesting. So they said that this man of God, who had a lot of a great spiritual impact and healed a lot of people by the power of God, they said that some of the bone on his kneecaps was missing. And here's what they found later in his house. They found two indentations about a foot apart on the wooden floor of a corner room. What does this mean? Well, basically this means that Smith Wigglesworth spent a lot of time on his knees. This was a man who knew how to put on the whole armor of God. And that is why the power of God manifested through him. And this is what I'm saying here. I mean, if we're, if we're going to make an impact, we're going to do it on our knees. Not only as a nation, obviously as a nation. I, I hope and pray that Canada drops to, to its knees right now and implores the Lord God to come and help us but that we repent in the process. That is the most important thing. I believe in individual reform. I believe that each of us needs to repent individually before we can repent collectively. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that kind of putting on of the armor of God. So I'm going to give you uh, final words. Before I give you these final words, if you guys want to join our top kingdom growth group, I have a group. Now you're listening to this video on my page. But we have a group, my wife and I, called the Top Thriving on Purpose Kingdom Growth Group. You can join our group where we're going to post more personalized stuff, where we're going to interact with you guys on an individual basis, where you can ask us questions, and uh, it's going to be our pleasure to answer you. So you can join, just ask to join the group, and we will, uh, we will accept you if you're willing, if, you, if that's what you want. But in my closing words, this is what I want to say. I'm saying to you guys... Put on the whole armor of God. Stay vigilant. Be strong. And lead your families. Lead your families because they need you more than ever. They need you to be men 
They need you to be men who stand strong. And your wives need that from you if they're going to stand with you. They don't need a man who's weak right now. They need a man who is strong. And the only way you're going to show that strength is if you strengthen yourself in Him, in God. That's it, guys. As always, I'm going to stop. I'm going to end this podcast by telling you our little uh, words. Be blessed and thrive on. God bless you all. For more free resources and content, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 